Adventures in Feeding My Fam is a weekly podcast discussing the challenges and fun around feeding your family healthy meals. I'm Andrea Heyman, and I've been a registered dietitian for over 25 years, so I know the importance of good nutrition. But I'm also a mom of three, so I understand the challenges and humor that comes along with trying to make this happen. In this podcast, I'll share my tips, tricks, and menus, but I'll also share the stories and food prep failures that come along the way too. Interview guests will discuss family food traditions, how to strengthen bonds around the family table, as well as their favorite family recipes. There isn't one right way to feed your family, but there are countless stories and you can take bits and pieces and learn from all of them. Welcome to another episode of Adventures in Feeding My Fam, the podcast. This is Andrea Heyman, and I'm really excited to share this conversation I had with Allie Netzer from Five Family Adventurers. In this episode, she shares how she immerses her kids in various cultures. And one way to do that is through food. So she's got some really incredible stories. But first, I just wanted to mention coming up in another week is my meal planning health challenge. Keep tabs on my Instagram account and on Facebook for additional details. It's going to be so great. And I'm really looking forward to helping you all get healthy through meal planning. Allie is a world traveler and a mom who loves sharing her adventures and combining both. She uses food as a way to engage her kids in local cultures, as well as to bring those cultures and heritages home. Food connects both their family and others, as well as to each other. You can always find her in the kitchen on Friday night, creating a large family meal to be enjoyed together, also while reminiscing about many family adventures. She loves the beach, hiking, and walking her two high-spirited chocolate Labradors. Welcome, Allie. I'm so glad you joined us today for the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. How would you compare those traditions as you were growing up to how you do things now in your own home? So I took those traditions to heart and I took them with me as I grew up. I knew that I always wanted to have family meals, um, be able to cook for, you know, if I had a family, I didn't know, you know, whether or not I would have a family, but I always knew growing up, I would want to, you know, not sit in front of a TV and eat, but eat as a family. And that was something that my parents instilled in me. And I um, took it with me. You know, once I got married, we always sat down at a table. And then once the kids came along, it was really important for us to have mealtime together. And I would say six out of seven nights, we do have mealtime together. It is unusual. I mean, granted, there are some weeks that it's like five out of seven nights or four out of seven nights, but I would say, you know, most of the time it's six out of seven nights. That's really impressive. I mean, that's just fantastic. How do you think um, your kids and you as a family have been influenced or how do you think that's yeah, I guess affected your family because of this really strong um, routine that you have. So I think the kids just know that, you know, when we come together as a family, it's our time to talk. It's our time to put down any kind of electronics. It's our time to take away 
any kind of school stresses, any kind of work stresses. And that's our time to just kind of relax and talk and be together. And so I think the kids have really enjoyed it because, you know, if it's that week where I can't do the six hours, seven nights and it's a five hours, seven night, well, that, you know, the, that second night that I can't do, my kids are like, wait, you're not making dinner or dad's not making dinner or we're not sitting down together. Like well, something's wrong with the universe here. <laughs> so they've, they've really come to enjoy it. And I think they look forward to it. So what do your kids think? What do your older kids think when they go to friends' houses and see how different uh, the culture is around mealtime there? Because yeah, I would really so- say your house is not the norm these days. And it's, it's lovely. It's a good not norm. It's true. I mean... Interestingly enough, there's been a little shift like with our teenagers because they want that teenage time. And so they're kind of like, you know, can't we do it like so and so where they don't have to have dinner every night? And I'm like, but do they communicate? You know, do they spend that time together? You're going to re- appreciate this when you're older and you're going to talk to people who are going to say, wow, I really wish that was my family. Um, so I think. Them being teenagers are kind of like in that teenager angst, like oh, another meal, even though right. once it comes together, they're happy to be there. Sure. Um, but, they, you know, they have also at the same time, they also have made comments of like, oh, you know, so-and-so's mom orders out all the time. They never eat dinner together. Or they're in front of the TV, you know, like li- just little comments here and there that you can hear like, oh, wow, maybe they really do appreciate everything that we do. So I understand that you have a travel blog. And in fact, I've looked at your travel blog. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? We have always traveled as a family with our kids since they were little, little, I mean, babies, like three months old babies. We've always traveled with our kids. We've loved having them with us. We've loved the experience. Um, and when I moved to Baltimore, there were so many people I encountered who were like, why would you travel with your kids? Like, they won't remember anything. Why would you bring them along? It's just, you know, one more thing to have to deal with. And I'm like, oh, well, they are our kids. I mean, <laughs> not to deal with. We enjoy having them. And so... It just kind of start like really annoyed me that people were like, why would you travel with kids at a young age or, you know, until they were teenagers? I'm like, why wouldn't you? Like you're building these memories. You're getting kids adapted to traveling. You're creating so much bonding time with your family and introducing them to new cultures, languages, foods. Um, so I basically going off of, um, a friend's very popular blog. Um, I was like, oh, if she can do this, I can do this. Like, this doesn't look hard at all. And it's probably one of the toughest things I have ever done. I didn't realize how much work went into it. Um, and it's been fun journey. And it's, you know, it's a great way for me to eventually one day look back and be like, oh, yeah, I remember that trip or I remember that trip. And, you know, just have readers come along and ask questions and look to our blog for advice and that's really nice so tell tell us the name five family adventurers and my family adventurers great yeah because there are five of us um and we you know have been traveling like i said through the world we've been fortunate enough to um even a day trip we consider a travel day like a big travel thing 
So you will write about that as well? Yeah, we'll write about day trips, road trips, going abroad. Um, I even popped in a base, like baseball outing. Is that considered, you know, a family trip, a family time together? Yeah. And, and when you say we, who else writes? Oh, or no, just I'm one. Okay. one. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I'll have my husband edit the writing. Mm-hmm. It's always good to have a pair of second eyes. Um, yeah. And he writes too for work. So, you know, I love having him there. Um, I'm doing most of the writing. And then there are also some like tips for travel, like how do you handle a road trip or why it's important to take kids or um, losing weight or not losing weight, but not gaining weight on traveling. Best ways to keep in shape when traveling. Okay. So you said that your husband will review the the blog post, but does does he ever come back to you and say, no, 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 Allie, this is not how it went, or this my memory is completely different? No, I've never no. had that. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. There's always a chance, but no, not yeah, yet. I suppose <laughs> so. Do you, so tell me why it's difficult. Why do you think this is a, a challenge? What makes it challenging? So, I thought it was just like, you write, you put it up, you're done. But it's not that case. You have the writing is I'm not a writer like from the past. So writing in itself is very difficult. And I just didn't realize how difficult it can be. Um, so it's like the writing, then you have to edit the pictures, but you have to put text with the pictures to make it searchable. Then you have to figure out uh-huh. the whole SEO of it. You know, how are you yes. gonna get it um optimized for search engines? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the whole social media side of it, which is a crazy work amount of work. Like, right? Mean, that's effort. almost like a daily effort in itself. It's daily effort. I mean, keeping up with Pinterest, keeping up with Instagram, keeping up with every social media outlet you can think of. I haven't hit TikTok yet, but uh, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. So yeah, it's a lot of work. Fun, but and you lot. keep up on all of those platforms all the time i'm on them wow. all the time yeah yeah um how long have you, you been blogging about two years wow and did you go back and write up articles from or blog posts from years past i have yes mm-hmm. yeah and what was your what was one of your biggest food adventures when you were traveling with yes. the kids yeah, so um we've had a couple of them. I would say definitely Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Um the tastes, the smells were totally different. We I had hired a guide um which we typically don't do, but in somewhere like Cambodia you should have a guide um who took us to a local market outside of um you know, in the countryside. And so we went and you know, he was kind of showing us around, like, what's there to eat? And there were um, deep fried silkworms. Okay. So, yeah. So we grabbed a bag of those and the kids popped them in their mouth like it was popcorn. <laughs> um, yeah. Did they so, know what it was before they started eating? Yeah, they did. Yeah. And okay. ironically, we went to a silkworm farm right after that to see how the silk was made. I'm like, oh, boy. We're eating right. all the silkworms while we're walking through here. Um so, yeah, so that was a huge adventure. And um, there was another time when we were in Spain and we were in Madrid and we went to this restaurant and 
and they were known for their gooseneck barnacles, like literally barnacles. That okay. Kind of on the side of rocks, side of boats, yeah. and it's a delicacy, and my daughter was in love with them. What does it taste like? Mushy. <laughs> it's like kind of squishy and tastes like the sea. You definitely okay. see. Yeah. And you think those are, those are your most exotic foods you've eaten? Um, I would say those are pretty exotic. Uh, you know, we, we tend to like impromptu dining as well instead of like over planning, which we've done in the past. Stop at a burrito stand in Guatemala, like a mm-hmm. one woman burrito stand at a truck stop and see how she makes her salsa picante, you know, and it's spicy and it's full of flavor. And it's like an introduction to these kids, like feel and taste all of these flavors melting together. Um, so it could be a basic taste, but it's so full of different kinds of tastes that it's almost exotic. Um, there was another instance when we did stop at a tribal village in Thailand. Yeah, in Thailand, we stopped at a tribal village and the village elders were having a big barbecue. Mm-hmm. Um, the men and my husband went in and, you know, they gave him a piece of the pork, the pig that they were roasting. And it was, he took a bite and he was like, right in a way, knew it was pig intestine. Um, and then, you know, hung around and then he went, my husband went and bought him some beers because, you know, that's like a really honorable, nice thing to do. And once he brought the beers back, the tribal elders were like, the tourists bought us beer. Here's another piece of right. You're probably pushing the food again. (laughs) Yeah. And they gave him a piece of the pig ear, which is considered one of the best parts. Right. Yeah, so it went from like, oh, yeah, you can join with the pig intestine to elevating to the pig ear, which is right. an honor, almost. Correct. <laughs> How on earth did you end up at a tribal barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> so we um, set up a, a tour to go see, to visit some of the tribes of Thailand, like the Karen, the Karen tribe, the Long Neck tribe. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Um, and so one of the places was, you know, the that took us to was a, um, I want to say it was not, it was a, it was a Karen, no, it was a Hmong tribe. And he just kind of talked to one of the village elders who was like, come on, we'll show you there's barbecue going on. Um, kids were playing soccer with some of the local kids, which was really neat experience. And then as we continued on the kind of the tour of seeing them, and we actually went with one of the Karen tribe's men. He was the tour guide. Mm-hmm. Um, he took us to um, Karen village and they had houses on stilts. And we got stuck in one of the elders houses with the thatched roof, um, bamboo flooring because of monsoon. So monsoon came in. And he offered us honey that he had just gathered uh-huh. that was amazing. Um, and then gave us fermented tea leaves. Oh. Yes. So that sounds incredible. It was incredible. 
it was incredible trying the fermented tea leaves. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's sensational. Look at you. You got, not only are you exotic eaters and willing to try, um, you know, new flavors, but you guys really try to immerse yourself in a new culture too, it sounds like. We do. And we really try to immerse the kids in it and, you know, expand their palates and say like, you know, explain that some of these foods are part of the culture, like eating the pig intestine, eating all the parts of the pig, tail to snout is what they do. You know, they don't leave anything behind. So we've really worked hard to kind of teach our kids to respect and appreciate the different tastes and the different foods of different cultures. So do you have any other food traditions? Yes. So we, <laughs> um, we definitely do every, so when 9-11 happened, um, this was pre-children, um, we kind of, it was such a sad time and a hard time. And so we kind of, my husband and I came together and I think we weren't even married then. Um, we came together and, and we were like, you know, we should have a big New Year's and open some amazing bottles of wine because why would we wait? Um, we were living in an apartment in Philadelphia. We had, and it was pretty small, but we had about six other people come over. We got some really good bottles of wine. We got some really fancy cheeses from France. We had a cheese store that would like sneak in on pasteurized cheeses um, and just cook this amazing like eight course meal. And so the tradition has gone on. And for years, we always include like truffles into our food. Um, we always include a starting of like caviar, one of our favorite things is to get um, the little, uh, not French fries, but what are those little potato kind of brown, I'm again, blanking on the name, tater tots. I was going to say tater tots? <laughs> yeah, totally get tater tots. We deep fry them in duck fat, <laughs> under duck fat. I'm, okay. I'm not kidding. We deep fry them in rendered duck fat, and then okay. we put creme fraiche, like each yeah, everyone takes one, you put creme fraiche on it, and then you put a really expensive um, little dollop of caviar on top of mm -hmm. it. It's the best thing you could ever eat. So um, our meals, so we continued on with New Year's with these fancy things. It got up to like 11 courses. So who comes to these meals? Is it the same so, group of people? It's the same group of people. We have um, friends who live in Long Island who come down. Um, friends in Philadelphia who come down and, you know, through the years, like the kids, you know, we brought, we first started without kids. Now we have kids and it's fun to see them growing up. And, and the kids participate in the meal? In the beginning, no. Okay. Um, now that they're getting older, yes. Mm -hmm. Without the wine, though. What yeah. a tradition. That's yeah. fantastic. It's really been a wonderful tradition. We all... We all cook together. We all clean together. We all eat together. Everyone sleeps at my house because obviously we don't want anyone driving. Um, <laughs> They've had the line. Yeah, exactly. Um, so everyone sleeps here. And it's just been so great because it's, it's a guaranteed getting to see them. Okay. Also in my family and among my friends, everyone calls me la reina de la sopa, which is okay. the queen of soup. Uh -huh. 
um, I don't know why they called me it in Spanish, but for some okay. reason they do. And because I love to make soup. Any so, kind of soup or one particular? All kinds of soup. Um, my favorite, like I said, I think earlier in the podcast is gazpacho. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned to do, um, this is a funny story. When my husband and I were getting married, he put a chinois on our um, registry. And I've never seen one. And it's a What's fine a chinois? Me- it's a fine mesh strainer. Um, okay. With a I know big wooden ladle, kind of, or not ladle, but a little wooden like pounder kind of thing that you can mush uh-huh. around. And it, what it does is it puts the soups through the chinois mm-hmm. and makes them silky smooth. Yeah. So I've always made gazpacho by blending all the ingredients and then putting in the chinois. But uh-huh. if you put it on the registry, I've never seen it. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> I don't need this. I'm never going to use this. I use it all the time for myself. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and then I also, one of my favorites, especially in the winter, is gumbo. Mm-hmm. And I will sit and I will stir that roux for 30 minutes, sometimes 45 minutes, um, you know, to get it nice and coffee brown. And it's it almost like be- you're meditating there as you're stirring. Yeah, it goes from a really, really light tan to a deep, deep, dark brown. And so everyone knows in my family that if I'm making gumbo, you do not bother me while I'm stirring the room. I don't care if your arm is falling off. It's got to (laughs) wait. My root is dark. Right. And where did you learn to do this? Or did you just pick it up from practice and reading? Yeah, practice and reading. I mean, I definitely, I will find a recipe sometimes and, but I'll, I'll make it into my own. I'll use it very loosely. So the fun thing about cooking is that you can always make your own things. Like baking is a science. Correct. And if you mess it up, you mess it up. Like it, yeah. it shows it. Um, but cooking is really fun that if you mess up, you can always adjust it and make it come back to life and make it fun. And, and like I said earlier, I, I think seasoning is so important um, to add that salt. So what's, what's a cooking fail that you can think of off the top of your head? Um, I suck at baking. I can bake okay. bread. I can like, I love baking breads. I even got into the sourdough trend that was happening yeah. during COVID. I was like, Ooh, I'll jump on that wagon. So I do, I'm okay with um, baking breads, but when it comes to cake, they're always lopsided. Like when I put them together, they're like completely lopsided. And I just get so frustrated. I'm like, I don't understand why mine are always lopsided. They taste fine, but they're just never quite as pretty as the ones, you know, other people make. I find it so fascinating. And you're not the only one, but some people can make elaborate, elaborate dishes, but have a really hard time baking. Um, And other people are the exact opposite. Like they... They can bake because they can follow everything to a T, but when it comes to cooking and experimenting and, you know, like making up your own flavors or adding or adjusting, they can't do it. And I know it's so true. I mean, I think that's a problem with me and baking is I'm like, eh, I don't need to follow everything perfectly, but 
in reality, I do. You do. Um, yeah, <laughs> you really do. I'm not a baker either. I will do it. And there's like a few things that I will do, but um, it's actually really my daughter who has emerged as quite the exceptional baker. And she follows those recipes to a T. Like she will sit there and sift flour and she will, you know, do all, like she will need it the right amount. And she's very, very precise with it. That's And awesome. it works. That's awesome that you, that, she, you know, she's a rule follower. <laughs> she's good. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So since we're coming into fall, what is you, one of your favorite fall soups besides your gumbo? Yeah. So gumbo is definitely a number one, um, just because it is a whole day. Like it's most of the day process. Um, my kids love my stew. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like a chunky soup almost, but they love my stew. Um mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of the ginger carrot soup. I, I actually hate ginger. I, I cannot stand ginger. So that never comes across. That really, really surprises me. Yeah. I really don't like chunky soups to say. So a lot of my soups are veloutés or like, you know, very thinned out. Um, I love making wild mushroom soup, but I'll try to thin it out as much as possible. Okay. Um, so that's one of their favorites as well. And then the good old fashioned chicken soup is like to die for in the house. Amazing. Nuts. Well, mm-hmm. Allie, I love hearing all of your ideas and stories and traditions. And you're making me want soup. So thank you for coming on today. Uh, I think everyone's really going to enjoy hearing what you have to say. No, thank you. And I'm so excited for this podcast. I think it's a great way to, you know, bring people in. Like, we're not all professional cooks and we don't always, you know, have everything perfect and things don't always go right, but that's okay. It's like, it's totally okay. So I I love the fact that you're bringing these stories to light and showing how everyone's different. Um, you know, everyone has a different way of preparing. And like I said, like, I'm the worst planner in the world and that's okay. Like I still get it done. Thank you. Well said, Allie. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Allie as much as I do. She was so generous and she shared a couple of her New Year's menus uh, with us. Those will be linked in the show notes for you guys to see. And she's also sharing her gazpacho recipe. Check out Allie at her website and blog page at Five Family Adventures and also at her Instagram account as well. Take care and I'll see you next week.